It is Wednesday on Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Happy to be back for another day. Hope you guys are having a good one out there as well. Tremendous show coming up. Better than really good. Tremendous. I always say really good. Today, tremendous upgrade. Uh, Lavelle E. Neal III will join me here from the Star Tribune talking about a bunch of stuff. The new Minnesota United head coach, uh, their search for that, closing in on Eric Ramsey from uh, from Manchester United, going from Manchester to Minnesota United, 32 years old. That uh, Hopefully that will become official soon, but Lavelle and I talked about that, talked about the Vikings, talked about the Twins. He had some thoughts on Byron Buxton, some thoughts on maybe what else they could do this offseason. A lot of tempting free agents still out there. So lots of stuff, a lot of ground that Lavelle and I covered on today's show. Get to a disappointing wild result, an even more disappointing Gopher women's basketball result at the end of the show. First, though, what did I miss? I want to talk college football at the jump here. And College football playoff, they approved the new format. This has been in the works for a while, but they approved the new uh, 12-team college football playoff uh, format. 12 teams, the 5 plus 7 model, they call it. Basically, they were the five, uh, five highest-ranked conference champions plus the next seven highest-ranked teams will be in the college football playoff starting next year. Now, that's interesting, right? Because all of a sudden, we're into this mode where 12 teams are going to be playoffs. We were at four teams for, you know, for quite a while. Before that, you know, the the rankings era, we were just kind of at the mercy of whoever the voters thought was the national champion. There was no real playoff. There was a de facto championship game sometimes if there was two teams that neatly fit into that, but there was no great way of sorting things out if there was more than two great teams. So what does this mean to the Gophers football program? I've been thinking about this because we've spent a lot of time and energy lately talking about the Big Ten and what the impact of going to the Big Ten, you know, the, the expanded Big Ten will have on the Gophers. It is going to become much harder year in and year out to compete for a Big Ten title. The Gophers had a run there of, you know, probably 10 years where they had opportunities almost every season, even when they were only okay to compete in the Big Ten West. The Big Ten West was never, I shouldn't say never, it was seldom great. There were a lot of opportunities in those years under Jerry Kill, under uh, P.J. Fleck, to compete for a Big Ten West title, which would get you in the Big Ten title game. And obviously, a lot of times the West lost to the East, but they could have they could have raised a banner. They could have won a Big Ten West title. That is going away. No more divisions. Four good programs coming into the mix. USC, Washington, and Oregon in particular. And yeah, UCLA has been okay, uh, maybe not as bad as we might have thought. So they, they've been okay. Adding those four teams, changing the schedule. The Gophers have a really hard schedule next season. You don't imagine there's going to be a lot of years where the schedule is easy. It is going to get harder for them to compete year in and year out for a Big Ten title. Conversely, the good thing about modern college football right now is this. A, um, they are going to be in the conference that has some of the most money, right? They're going to be in the Big Ten. If there's winners and losers in college sports right now, the Big Ten and the SEC are among the biggest winners. They've had the the TV thing going. They've they've got the cash reserves. They've got the they've got the resources to compete in this era. So they've they wound up in one of the right conferences. Number two, this twelve team playoff. This means to me that in their best years. During their best seasons, the Gophers should be able to compete 
for a spot in the college football playoff, something that just wasn't really possible during a different during these different eras. You know, when it was a four-team playoff, can you imagine the Gophers getting into a four-team playoff? I really cannot. That was not a realistic goal on a, you know, every handful of years basis. I'm not saying the Gophers to compete year in and year out for a top 12 spot. What I am saying is that their very best teams, every five to 10 years, they should have a team good enough to compete for a spot in this 12-team playoff. That is a difference right now. That is what this 12-team playoff means to me, that they should be able to compete for that. You look back in their history, it's been a long time. It's been since 1960 since they were voted a national champion. A couple of years after that, they were voted into the top 10 at the end of the year. Ever since then, they have not finished in the top 12 except for one year, and that was P.J. Flex year in 2019 where they were the number 10 team at the end of the year. But that, of course, included their bowl game win as part of that. But in their very best years, like 1999 and 2003 under Glenn Mason, maybe 2014 under Jerry Kill, 2019 certainly under P.J. Fleck, the Gophers had a team, had teams that were good enough to finish in the top 12. Now, they might not have in the regular season, but certainly that 2019 team could have competed you know, was one win away probably from being in the t- in, certainly in the top 12, even higher than that that year. They should be able to, when they have the team, when they have the team that kind of all comes together, they should be good enough to compete for a spot in the top 12. That's exciting. Getting into the college football playoff just was not on their radar. I think I feel like the goal for them so many years has been get to a good bowl game, have a good season, but winning a national title or competing at least with the best of the best in some sort of playoff format was not within their reach. That is within their reach now. Again, not saying it's going to happen every year, not saying there aren't other challenges with the Big Ten schedule, with, with NIL money, with the transfer portal. I get that that is going to be an obstacle. What I am saying, again, to reiterate, is this. They should be able to compete every five or ten years. They should have a team good enough to be one of the 12 best in college football if they get the right results in the right games, if they you know, get the right health, if they get all the things that need to come together to sustain that. That's kind of what Wisconsin built, right? Wisconsin wasn't this program that was going to be a national title contender every single season, but you could have imagined Wisconsin being a t- in a ton of these top 12-type settings. And in fact, the Badgers have finished ranked in the top 12 in eight of the last 26 seasons. So that tells you something, right? That tells you that a program like the Badgers, which Minnesota should aspire to be, which they can aspire to be, I get it. Different circumstances. You got to build it. You got to build it. It's not just going to happen overnight. The Gophers should be able to compete year in and year out to be good. And in those special seasons now, they should be able to compete for a spot in the top 12, that which is not available to them in past years. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope. The anticipation. That incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. I want to talk about a whole bunch of stuff today with Lavelle Enil III, Star Tribune columnist. Lavelle, we got I got soccer on the brain, football, baseball. It's like the convergence season again. Um, how are you doing? 
I'm doing great. I'm overjoyed that the loons have finally ended the, the nightmare here and found a new gaffer. Let's go. <laughs> Just a few days before the season opener in Austin, and by all accounts, Cameron Knowles will still be leading the lads for that one and maybe one or two more, but it sounds like they've they've closed in on their top their top choice. Sounds like this is going to happen. They're going to hire Eric Ramsey, 32 years old, Lavelle, would be the youngest head coach in Major League Soccer by seven years currently. Um, Manchester United assistant coach. What do you think of this proposed likely hire that they're going to make here soon? I was trying to pitch a story I did to my boss. I was trying to explain to him, you know, this has worked before. I said, we actually have three levels of this right now because um, Quezzy was like 40, I think, when he took over and He's got like a 30-something-year-old head coach in um, in uh, O'Connell. Right. But um, the original, you know, young leader, young coach combination was when uh, the Twins hired Andy McPhail, who in turn hired Tom Kelly. Both were in their 30s at the time. And and Andy had to convince Carl to hire someone as young as Kelly. Um I'm not mistaken. I think they I think they actually hired like a veteran, a former manager to kind of just like oversee everything. But TK had been a player manager in the minors. They had like a few years of my managerial experience in the minors already um, when he got the appointment. So um, that's that's just an example of having, you know, two key positions with the new the next wave, you know, the young bucks coming in and, and changing things up. And it worked out for the twins. They won two World Series. So let's see if it works out with the uh, Elamont. Uh, choosing Rams, you, who apparently, even though he's young, he's highly regarded. I think he was the assistant coach for the Wells national team, and the head coach said this guy's awesome. You know, so he's got he's got people speaking highly of him at a very young age. So I'm like, cool. Let's see it. Fresh eyes, young eyes. Um, guys, players on the team they're older than him. I don't know how Michael Boxall feels about <laughs> right. You know, a bit taking orders from someone younger than him. It's like it's gonna like like his son bossing him around. You know, uh, so. I'm just glad they got a coach. It took too long. I think I, I think it got a little, I don't say messy, but it just got a little um, nuanced with Elamad being able to come over from Barnsley. Uh, should have, they should have did more to get him over sooner so we can get down the road with this process. So I'm glad. Uh, and you know, Sherry Ballard, the CEO. This is, um, you know, this is like her uh, her stamp on this franchise. Now she had to make the, a key hire in Elamad, who had to make a key hire in Ramsey. Um, you know, two years ago. Uh, we didn't know any of these three people, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and now, now they have the future of the loons in their hands. Well, indeed, and it's not just age, right? Like the, the Twin Cities sports are filled with great examples of young coaches who've succeeded. I mean, you go back to Bud Grant. Bud Grant was young when he took over the Vikings. Like, you know, we we talked about like I think John Anderson, who's retiring as Gopher baseball coach. Like he was in his twenties when he took over that program and was leading the the Big Ten titles. I think it's age is one thing. We've seen a lot of that lately. What's interesting to me is someone with no real MLS background. And I don't know how much that's necessary. He's obviously coming from a league, the premier league that is, you know, the best league. So I, I don't worry so much about that. But, you know, you've got both a GM and a coach now who don't have a whole lot of experience with, you know, MLS, you know, American soccer. What, what do you think about that piece of it? Uh, I think that's going to be an interesting component to watch, uh, watch transpire here in the coming weeks and months. Um, at least El Ahmad, like played soccer here and knows a little bit about understands the country and understands uh, MLS from from someone who may be just on the fringes of of that league. Um, you know, Ramsey, being a young guy, 
growing up in, I think he's from Shrewsbury, the Shrewsbury area you know, as a youth player and played in like a low level league. Um, he probably had no idea what the hell MLS was when he, when he first started playing, you know? So it's going to be interesting to see. Um, but I don't think there's one template uh, that's been used to find a good MLS coach. Has there been, um, I mean, Patrick Vieri did a great job with New York before he moved on. Um, uh, Brian Smetzer has been great uh, with Seattle. Peter Vermes has been great with Kansas City. Um, but I think some foreign coaches will come over and done decent jobs as well. So, um, yeah, Tata Martino was the head coach of Atlanta United, you know, with Joseph Martinez and some talented players. So I don't know if there is – I think the good coach can come from anywhere and be effective. Let's just see if Ramsey has enough experience in the man management, dealing with people, motivating, um, getting people who are older than him to listen to what the hell he says. Uh, I just, this, this is going to be, that's going to be the more fascinating part for me to see uh, how he fits. He, apparently he knows the game. Um, uh, he's got the accolades. He's got the people vouching for him in that regard. So, um, and if, usually if you're younger, you can adapt. So uh, I would imagine that uh, Eric Ramsey would adapt. And that was maybe one of the frustrations fans had with Adrian Heath, a coach almost twice Ramsey's age. He's 63 now. He was the the only MLS head coach they've ever known and you know had a definite idea of how to win matches and was very focused on the here and now, had kind of the, the set formations he wanted to use, things like that. If you're now a Loons fan, what do you want to see from a fresh direction, a fresh set of eyes? Do you want to see more attacking? you want to see different adaptability how, how do you want to see things run differently if you're a loons fan well with uh with reynoso in the middle of the park there and he's got some decent um he's got some decent attacking guys in front of him you know pookie and fragaponi and uh bongo i can't pronounce his whole name um the key for this team is defense Diane st Clair had t- kind of took a step back last year and needs to kind of get back on track and defense needs to get younger and more experienced i'm very intrigued by this erickson kid who's come over from uh, uh, from Europe. Uh, he's already been on teams that he's helped like be successful, become turn turn programs around, so to speak. Um, but I still think they need a, probably another piece or two on the defensive end and a, and a link uh, to Ray in the midfield. Um, Hazani Dasa continues to get a little bit better every year. Maybe that's the role he can grow into. But uh, I still think they need some more youth in the back line here. Um, and because I, I think they've got enough offense to be a productive team. We will see. We'll see when that all becomes official. And of course, like I said, the Loons open play in just a few days. So kind of a weird time for this to all be happening. Um, I think fans have had to be pretty patient this off season as they've, you know, had to make these moves at maybe a time they didn't want to have to make them. No, Exactly. And look, I've been getting emails from Loons fans. Uh, what the hell's going on? This yeah. is horrible. Who's our coach going to be? You know, I think I, I wrote something a couple weeks ago about. Uh, about this, better, uh, this better be worth the wait, basically. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I got a bunch of emails after that. You know, and last week I got an email. What's going on? I thought they were down the road and hiring a coach. Maybe they'll have a, a fan coach the team once a week, have the, the coach <laughs> of the week and like just draw from the season ticket holder base. And have a season ticket holder run the team for a week, you know. That's what he said. I mean, the season's starting um, this weekend. I yeah, even know, Saturday. Yeah, in Austin. I, I, it doesn't even is it even worth Ramsey addressing the team before then? Because everybody's gonna be like, okay, what's this guy gotten stored now? What formation are we going to run? You know, are we going to be high pressing? Are we going to do the gig and press? What, what the hell? How, how are we going to play? So I don't know if you want to clutter their mind with that stuff as they go into the season opener against Austin. You might just want to wait a week and then kind of. 
empty your open up your playbook for your new lads. Yeah, I don't know how it's all going to play out. We'll see if it costs them at any point this year, but it's the timing of it's not great. I think they'd acknowledge it, but maybe once this is all settled, it won't matter. And if, if they end up having the right hire. Now, I want to move on to a few other things. One, Lavelle, we're hearing Byron Buxton saying, I want to steal 30 bases this year. I'm, gonna, I'm feeling great in center field. You are probably as close to Buxton as anybody still, as far as I know. What do you, what do you make of all this? Is he really <laughs> this amped up and ready to go? We had this conversation. I want to say it was August of either 2018 or 2019. And Buck Buck was standing in front of us before a game. And he was like, no, I still think I'm a base. Still. I, can still, I can still 30 to 35 bases a year. And I, I said, Byron, you have four stolen bases. It's August like eighth. <laughs> I, I just told him, I said, look, you do not go to first base because you don't walk a lot. I mean, that's just you, you know, and when you touch the ball, it's not a single. It's either a double, triple, or homer. So you're not on first base enough in order to steal 30 bases. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I got it in me. I got it in me. And I'm like, whatever. I, I'm, I'm going to talk to him about this when I get down to spring training because I I thought I had I thought I had him uh, realize that it's he's incapable of stealing 30 bases the way he plays the game. And it's fine. If you're going to hit a double, triple, or homer, you know, uh, um, once a game, you know, fine. That's If you want to play that way, fly your flag. But um, stealing 30 bases means he's got to walk a little bit more than what he is doing now, man. And I I don't know. I think the die is cast with him. You know, I mean, some guys can improve the rock walk rates as they get more experience, but I think he's like 28, 29 now. I just don't know yeah. if he's got that in him. Yeah, well, maybe the bigger piece of all this is how well he must be feeling, how good he's feeling to say this, to to feel like he's going to be able to play more in center field, to be able to play, you know, to try to steal these bases. He's obviously feeling better than he was last year, certainly, and maybe maybe even better than he has for quite some time. Yeah, I know. Um, it's um, the stuff I'm reading from down there. Um, they're showing him running sprints and showing him out in the outfield working on fielding drills. Uh, he feels great. And that actually just with what I heard like a week after his surgery, uh, when I, I reached out to his agent and found out that the day after the surgery was over, Buck already felt a thousand percent better. You know, um, someone told me that it was like hurting him. Even if he tried to stand in the outfield, it was having problems with that plica. But um, so he's healthy now and he's happy and he's, he's probably fired up about being able to play in the outfield again, which will help his offense. So that's, that's a potentially big development for this squad. We've been fretting about um, losing Sonny Gray and letting Kent Maeda walk and not really adequately replacing those guys. But um, this offense could be really good. I mean, Carlos Correa started swinging in November, which he never has done. Uh, Buxton feels as great as he ever has. Uh, and you got young guys coming back with some experience. This team could take the next step offensively and, and lessen the blow of um, letting Sonny Gray go. And think about Sonny, too. He was really effective when he pitched. Um, but I think we all got to got we were all conditioned to see looking out to the bullpen in the sixth inning because it seemed like Sonny hit a hit a wall right on then. So I'm not trying to diminish his impact because he ended up like third inside young boy. But um, um, I just wish they had done better to upgrade it. I'm not a big Anthony Disclafani guy um, coming off a sore elbow. Um, there's still time, you know. Blake still, a lot still, of, still a lot of big names out there too. I mean, how how aggressive do you think you would say they should be? You look at these power rankings, and they're they're pretty high up. There's a lot of confidence in them from, you know, either just the eye test, but also the the analytics say, hey, you know, Twins 
should be a division repeat champ could, you know, could have a roster that's dangerous in the postseason. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and there's rumors that Blake Snell turned down like 30 million a year from the Yankees. Cause I, first of all, he's a Boris client. So he's always going to, his clients always tend to wait things out. But I think the thing with him, this is now if you're the twins and go, Hey, we'll give you 20 million for one year. You know, when he just take it and try to jump back in the market a, a, a year later. So, um, that's how the twins got Correa because right. Correa didn't get the big deal, and he he took a one year deal to jump, get back into the uh, into the free agent market. So, um, but yeah, I think four of the top ten free agents uh, based on rankings are like still available. Jordan Montgomery's is still a free agent. Matt Chapman's still a free agent. Uh, Cody uh, Bellinger, yeah, Cody Cody Bellinger, yes, Cody Bellinger, yeah. Cody Bellinger <laughs> uh, with that beautiful yes. with that with that beautiful swing that was great five years ago and horrible two years ago. Um, bounced back with the Cubs last year. He's still a free agent. So uh, someone keeps suggesting the Twins may go after him. I'm like, well, he got a left-handed here uh, hit, hitting outfielder and Kepler, unless they're going to move Kepler then, and he'll be a replacement. But why go throw all that, you know? Um, so um, I reached out to Jake Odorizzi's camp because apparently the Twins were at two of his pitching auditions um, Interesting. in recent in recent weeks. So I was wondering if there was going to be a reunion. But um, uh, apparently the Twins – Told all the reason that they kind of like their staff the way it is right now. So I don't know what that means. Um, I wouldn't like my staff the way it is yeah, right I now, but I have a chance of adding a, a quality arm. Yeah, I don't. I don't love the staff the way it is. I feel like they could still use some more quality depth. I mean, they got through last year with you know there was some injuries. Obviously, the Tyler Malley injury being the biggest one. But like once you were kind of past that, everything else was kind of known. Known commodities. Yeah, Joe Ryan for a little bit, Kenta Maida for a little bit, but they didn't have to use a ton of starting pitchers last year. They were able, especially at the top end, they were able to mostly get by with the guys that they wanted throwing the ball, and that's not always going to be the case. No, no, no. I will say this, though. Um, uh, their bullpen could be really, really good, really good uh, this year with some of the arms they got coming back and some of the people they have signed. I'm very, I'm looking forward a lot to um, – uh, very much so to see some of these guys in action uh, down in spring training because um, it looks like they got a couple live arms in that group that can um, that could even make the bullpen deeper. You know, you got Oriha Akla who's healthy, and you got uh, Brock Stewart who's back and healthy in front of uh, your boy Joan Duran. Um, I personally, I would make Louis Varlin a starter. I think I'd try to exhaust him as a starter. Man, he did look lights out as a reliever. Um, so, but I still like some of the other arms they buy. I think the Jackson kid could help. Uh, the Bingham kid we wrote about today looks like he's got some um, some ability as well. So, um, I think the bullpen could be better than it was a year ago, and that's dangerous to say, man, because bullpens are volatile from year to year. What clicked one year could just go haywire the next. Right. So when I say it could be really good, I say that no, fully aware that I I've covered teams that had a good bullpen one year and they all came back the next year and they stunk. So. Um, it's the most volatile, I think, area of a team. Royce said on Monday that the cigar bar down in Florida can fully staff up knowing that you're on your way. Is that true? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure word is uh, leaking out down there that I'm going to be coming down on like March 4th uh, for a few for about a week or so. So uh, I'm imagining that uh, they're looking forward to that, too. So I'm looking forward to seeing them, you know. Um, it used to be great, you know, covering Terry Ryan, he never like made moves at night or on the weekend. So I could always just go to the cigar lounge and hang out for a little bit and watch some sports and, and watch March Madness and puff a cigar. But man, I'll, 
I had to like leave the cigar bar to write about the day that uh, Jake Odorizzi was traded for, and, and then something else happened. When I, was it Logan Morris? I can't remember. Was it like a Logan Morrison? Making, oh man, I'll be like making these moves that disrupt my evenings uh, more <laughs> so than Terry Ryan has. So I just want a moratorium on transactions while I'm there between the fourth and the twelfth. Logan Morrison is not worth interrupting your night for, as, as it turned out. Great guy. Uh, yeah, Logan's sure, a great guy. Sure. Great story. He, he did not have a great year for the Twins. That's let's just say that. A um, couple more things I want to pick your brain on before we go. You wrote about the Vikings over the weekend. I can't stop talking about them. We've I've written about them a lot. There's so many questions hanging out there. Your big thing is don't forget about defense. Don't forget about Daniil Hunter because if you don't re-sign this guy, who's going to go get the quarterback? And I don't disagree. I don't know where all the money's going to come from. I don't know what 2024 should really be about. If I had, you know, if I really had. You know, truth serum injected in me right now, and I feel like I talk the truth anyway. I don't need serum, but I'm I'm kind of just ready to say 2024. Do your best, but let's let's move on from some things. I, I'd love if Hunter stayed. I don't know if he wants to be here. I'm ready to move on from Kirk Cousins. Uh, where are you at? Why why this emphasis on on Daniil and some of these other things they've got going on? Uh, just because, and this part of it is because Koizzi's drafts haven't helped the defense the last couple of years. So they're thin. And without Daniel, Daniel, Daniel it's going to be worse. And my assertion, too, was that what if Daniel stays in the division? Uh, the Bears could use another edge rusher to go with Montez Sweat. That's all I'm saying. Uh, and that, no, yeah, is that him? Yeah, that's right. Um, that, that, that could come back to haunt the Vikings if uh, he jumps ship and goes to the Windy City. Or I don't know how much money the Lions have. I could see him book it with have Aiden Hutchinson. Space. Lions have gap space. Yeah. He could book it with Aiden Hutchinson too. You know. Um, so, um, and plus, uh, with DJ Wanham, I think missed. He had a pectoral injury. I think in midseason, toward the yeah. end of the season. So I mean, their pass rush is going to be non-existent. Um, then they're going to go back into free agency to try to find a replacement. One, other than uh, Brian Burns of the Panthers, I didn't see any three-down guys out there. Um, Marcus Davenport the, should be available. Yeah, yeah. Look at the last time he <laughs> dipped the in the free agent waters. They pulled that. out Marcus Davenport. That was a that was a wasted signing. Well, uh, yes. How about a guy who should have wore a ski mask to the stadium every day because <laughs> he was robbing the team? Was Marcus yes. Davenport? So, um, yeah, I think it just causes more problems if uh, you, if you uh, let Daniel leave as a free agent. Uh, the funny part is. If the if the Vikings move on from Kirk Cousins, which I wrote about at the end of the season that they yeah. should cut the cord with Kirk, yep, um, that would just disincentivize uh, Daniel from staying as well. I would imagine, you know. So it's really interesting uh, scenario here that Kwesi's got to work his way through. I just can't see him, you know, walking into the Wolf's office and telling him he wants to trade Jefferson and 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 uh, and re- reload for a year. I think the Wolves always want to be competitive and always want to try to win. And I don't see how they would uh, sign off on something like that. Yeah, I don't either, unless it's we know we're going to get the quarterback that we think is our our guy for the next decade because the quarterback is more important than the receiver. But Jefferson feels just like a guy that you want to be in purple for the rest of his career as long as you can keep him. He's not just like, hey, he's one of the five best. Um, We'd love to have him around. He's not trouble. He's not. He's like he's just a good guy who is exceptional on the field. Even with the injury last year, you know he he put up huge numbers. Like I wouldn't, I would be more tempted if he was just really good instead of man like generational good. And, and I just don't think you 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 don't mess around with guys like that. 
No, you don't. You know, he he may be the best non-quarterback in the league. Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, you're going to get a, a chance to keep a guy like this once or twice uh, in a generation. So I would I would I would sign J.J. And I know J.J. wants Kirk to stay. He but does. I think J.J. has proven that he can catch passes from anyone, you know, um, even, Nick across, even Nick Mullins. Yeah, I mean, it happens across the league. I watched Allen Robinson catch over a thousand yards of passes from Mitch Trubisky one year. So it, it happens when you have a talented receiver and a quarterback you, that may not be good, and in this case may not be good as Kirk. But we don't know. Maybe if they decide to move on, maybe they they find a someone who is at least a Brock Purdy or who may end up being a, a Lamar Jackson. Uh, I don't know how you feel about Caleb Williams or I don't know how you feel about Michael Penix. Um, J.J. McCarthy's got some people's eyes open, and he won't – Take a, he won't need a first round pick, you know, to draft. So um, it's going to be interesting. And it seems like there's more chatter about what's going to happen in this draft and uh, recent drafts that I can remember, especially because there's still some uncertainty about what the Bears are going to do at number one. And a lot of things flow from there um, because if they trade out of the first, that's going to cause a ripple effect, you know. And if they take Williams, that means. Justin Fields is available. I actually saw a poll on Twitter yesterday that 45% of Vikings fans wouldn't mind trading a second round pick for Justin Fields if he became available. And I'm sitting there going, what? Really? You know, and my thing is, if a guy's worth a second round pick, shouldn't you be keeping him? I don't know. I don't know. With Caleb Caleb Williams, I mean, you reset your quarterback clock. He's a generational talent as opposed to Fields where you already know what you're getting. I I don't think there's any – I just can't see why there's any mystery what the Bears are going to do. They are going to take Caleb Williams number one overall. That's what we think, but uh, they could uh, do something crazy, man. This is the NFL. They did something crazy a few years ago, and they moved up one spot to take Trubisky. Um, they did, they, when it comes to quarterback decisions, they've had some screwy ones. They they gave up draft capital for freaking Rick Meyer, for goodness sakes. And they could have had, <laughs> and they could have had Mahomes. They could have had yes. Mahomes without moving at all. Yeah, exactly. Oh man, the generational quarterback, the best yeah. quarterback in the league. Any other final thoughts? The Wild hung 10 on Vancouver the other day. The Wolves re-signed uh, Mike Conley Jr. two-year extension to kind of shore up their future at point guards. A lot, a lot of stuff going on this week. The Wolves still need to cultivate another long-term point guard. Uh, maybe have a guy sit as an understudy to, to Conley. Because um, Conley's going to be, what, 37 by the end of that contract? Yeah, he's, he's 36 right now. I mean, here's the thing, though. They don't... They don't need a ball dominant point guard when you've got Ant. So I think he's a good fit. Someone like him, I'd love to see them. Better. But you don't need like a, a max player at point guard when you've got Ant. Yeah, but you still need a guy who can run a show and keep things yes. organized. And yes. uh, Conley does that exceptionally well um, from that standpoint. The Wild, um, this is a big week for them. Uh, I was there four games this week. They already won one of them. Someone told me if they could go two out of the, they go two and two during these four games, they got a shot at, at creeping into the postseason now it's hard for me to see that right away because you have to jump over a few teams yeah. and you know on the days you're not playing someone you're chasing could be playing and it makes the the, the chase even harder so but uh, i don't know what to make of uh last night's 10 to 7 thriller i i just i'm sorry yesterday it was during the day um i don't know what to make of it i don't know if that's a good sign or a bad sign what they went through all i know is that if you're gonna end up with four or five five on three power plays you're probably gonna end up with a bunch of goals and <laughs> that's pretty much what happened all I know is they won 10-7 and the last Vikings win of the year was 3 nothing. So it's just a weird it's just a weird year, Lavelle, right? It's a weird year, everything weird happening. Um lots going on as always. 
We'll talk again soon, I'm sure. Um, maybe before you get down to Florida, we'll see. But uh, if I don't talk to you then, I'm sure we'll catch up with you down there. Enjoy the rest of your week, and uh, we'll talk again soon. All right, man. Thanks for having me. Royal Credit Union Smart Checking Accounts offer no monthly fees and no minimum balance. Enjoy financial freedom when you open your Royal Credit Union Smart Checking Account online at rcu.org slash go checking. Insured by NCUA. Good stuff from Lavelle, as always. Appreciate him jumping on with me today. I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Let us finish with the cooler. A couple disappointing results, like I mentioned at the start of the show. Uh, let's start with the Wild. You know, Coming back after that huge rally they had, the feel-good rally against the best team in the NHL, Vancouver, they won that 10-7 game Monday. It was going to be a tall ask, right? Like a lot of emotional hangover. They got to travel. They got to play at uh, Winnipeg the next game on Tuesday. Still some disappointment with how they came out in this game, falling down quickly, um, trailing 5-1, to one, I think, at one point in the third period. They got a little rally going, got it to 5-3, but lose 6-3. Kind of familiar culprits in this game for the Wild. You know, Winnipeg gets the scoring going on a power play goal. They wind up with two power play goals in the game, both of them important. Obviously, the first one of the game to give them the lead, and then the uh, the the goal that gives them a 4-1 lead in the third period, also on the power play. The goaltending for Marc-Andre Fleury, again, not good enough. He's just I, I, Everybody loves Marc-Andre Fleury. He's one of the greatest guys, a great goaltender, going to be a Hall of Famer someday because of what he's accomplished, both in the regular season and the postseason, seconded wins. We know that. He's just not been a good goalie this year for the bulk of the season. Having him play... You know, a, a decent number of games this season and having Philip Gustafson struggle to the extent that he has, or at least be as inconsistent as he's been, puts the Wild at a deficit in a lot of these games. Their goaltending has been subpar, and it was subpar in this game as well. And then you add to that the fact that they just don't get quite enough secondary scoring a lot of these nights. They get guys that go up and down, up and down, up and down. Not a great game for Matt Boldy. He was a minus three. No points in this game. It's just, you know, not enough depth, not enough depth of scoring, not enough quality depth for them to overcome and beat a good team on the road. Now, they had been playing pretty well, right? They had, they had you know, that rally notwithstanding, they'd been playing much more solid hockey, getting better goaltending since the All-Star break. When they get good goaltending, which hasn't been enough this year, they're a decent team. They're a team that can stay at least on the fringe of the fringes of this playoff race. I know we keep saying, oh, they were only two back the other day, but you know what? It's really like five teams battling for one spot, or if we're being generous, six battling for two. It's going to be hard, not just for them to make up the ground that they lost with all these losing skids earlier this season, but for them to leapfrog and stay ahead of these other teams. They, they, don't, they only not only have to be hot, they have to hope another team isn't hot as well. So it is going to be a, t a tough uphill climb still. Every game is going to be kind of this magnitude where you can't afford to drop it, you can't afford to lose. And when you have enough deficiencies, which we saw a lot of them show up against uh, against Winnipeg, you are going to have a hard time sustaining the kind of success you need to get back in this race in a meaningful way. Now, the other disappointing result, go for women's basketball team. They lose at home to Wisconsin. They have been just really struggling since Mara Braun's injury. Now, I think this is twofold. Uh, I mean, Chip Scoggins wrote about this today, wrote about it very well. So go read that, Star Tribune, StarTribune.com. Read Kent Youngblood's game story as well. That was certainly a worthy read. But um, Mara Braun got injured. I think they're 1-5 now since Mara Braun got injured, the excellent sophomore for the Gophers. 
A, we're finding out how much, how good she is, right? How, because they were trending towards being a tournament team before her injury. Now, it was early, but it was like, okay, this is a team that's, you know, competing with, with good teams. They're winning meaningful games. Mara Braun, obviously the star of a lot of that, even though she'd had a, a couple cold shooting nights, they definitely needed her in that mix. So, finding out how much they need her. But the flip side of that is, should they be this bad without Mara Braun? Should they be, have gone completely, you know, done a complete 180 on their season? I think Don Plitzowite, their head coach, is frustrated. Every time you hear her talk, she is frustrated about this team, frustrated about the trajectory, the toughness, the focus, things like that. Those are things that are within their control with or without Mara Braun in this lineup. They have enough talent. They have enough good players that they should be better this season, even without Mara Braun. So this season is twofold. It's, yeah, they certainly miss Mara Braun. You're going to miss your best player, no doubt about that. But you can still be disappointed with how this season has gone because it should be better. It shouldn't be this bad. You shouldn't be losing at home to... Wisconsin, which again, a team that's getting better this year, but still below 500 in the Big Ten, a team that you should beat on your home court. To lose by 11 in that game, to only score 56 points, that is disappointing any way you slice it. So that is that is going to be the offseason objective, right? To, to, to build up that toughness, to build up the ability to withstand losing you know losing a player losing you know losing having a cold shooting night things like that you got to be able to win a lot of different ways and it doesn't seem like the gophers can do that right now be a happier story on thursday show uh, marcus fuller expected to join me talk about the gopher men's team they are seven and seven in the big 10 right now Big game against Ohio State. Opportunity to go above 500. Starting to talk about maybe, just maybe, a chance at the NCAA tournament. I want to hear Marcus's thoughts on that, what they might need to do to get there. Uh, I've got some other thoughts for him as well, so that'll be on Thursday's show. Until then, I am Michael Rand. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Back at it again tomorrow. Tomorrow.